This is yours. This is ours. This is mine. What's up and welcome to Minds. I'm your host, Jay Hernandez. And today I'm happy to bring you a conversation that I had with a good friend of mine by the name of Gus Moore. Best known for his vocals and being the frontman in bands like What About Frank and Landlines. He's got a crazy schedule, being that he works on an oil rig and uh, you know he's taking classes. So it was nice of him to carve out some time to talk to me over here at Minds. It was good catching up. Good hearing from an old friend. And he was kind enough to pretty much just chronicle the musical life of Gus Moore. Something that uh, that took him from the basements of, uh, you know, basement band practices with What About Frank to living in the city and hanging out with Brian Graham of Landlines and taking the baby steps necessary to put together a 90s grunge atomic bomb of, uh, of an indie band that pretty much took our area by storm. I mean, if you didn't know about landlines, then you just, you were living under a rock, or maybe you just weren't into uh, good music. So, for us to catch up was nice. I didn't really prepare myself with specific questions to ask him. I kind of just dove right in. I mean, we go way back, and he's always uh, been someone that I enjoyed talking to, so I figured I would just fire up the phone, see what he had to say, Towards the end of the conversation, I realized that he was basically sitting in the truck, probably out in a parking lot, talking to me, just looking at the Texas sky, going over his life, and uh, and just feeding it all into our ears. So I just want to take this time to thank you guys for continuing listening to the show. I'm looking right now at some possible sponsorships that uh, that I'm actually uh, looking to uh, engage not that anyone's gotten a hold of me over here. I'm not really making too much noise, but I'm making enough noise for, you know, you guys to be hearing me and listening. My listens are stacking up as I like to check them out every day, log on to my Podbean account, which I would like to get out there uh, once again and uh, remind everybody that you can log on for free at podbean.com with uh, just your email and some uh, little bit of information. And then you get your own account, and then you can follow me. You get uh, weekly updates whenever I air a new show. And there's sections right there where you can uh, comment or like. And you can keep yourself updated with what I'm doing, what, I'm, what I've got going on in my crazy little world. I've got some plans for the new uh, year coming up, which I will start off by doing a 2015 wrap-up. I've already talked to a couple guests that you've heard from already. Uh, just to get a little recap, uh, you know, a couple people that are meaningful in my life, people that I intend on keeping in my life as far as, uh, you know, just people that I can network with and just bounce ideas off of. And generally speaking, just that we can all help each other. So keep an eye out for my 2015 wrap-up episode, which I need to start on work, start working on soon because, uh, I mean, we're just basically a couple of weeks away from ringing in the new year. So that being said, uh, I just want to thank you again. Remember, you can check it out on iTunes and on Stitcher. I'm looking at uh, 
uploading my feed to uh, TuneIn, which is another provider that you can sync your ears into. And hopefully you too are uh, doing the you know some of the work for me and just just getting the name out, a little word of mouth. You know, it's how I run my business. Like I've said before, I don't intend on using Facebook or opening a Facebook for it. If I get to that point, I mean, you know, you're really going to have to twist my arm because I've avoided it this long and I don't foresee myself using it as a platform in the future. I really believe that we could band together and at least slow it down, slow down the mammoth conglomerate, gross, all intrusive envelopment, which is Facebook, and start using the web the, the way it was intended. But as far as things go, uh, you know, movements have been started from uh, smaller platforms. I'm, uh, you know, lucky to have the platform that I have, and I intend to use it to its fullest extent. That means honing this craft, getting better at it, you know, uh, continuing bringing you good content and making sure that my listeners are taken care of and that I, uh, you know, keep things fresh down here, then that's what I intend to do. If it's simply to slow down the Facebook machine. So I'm going to wrap it up here, bring you my conversation with Gus. It was good. I had a good time. Here we go. Hey. What's going on, bud? Nothing much. What's up, Gus? How you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I'm, I'm fine. Good Getting company. into my truck right now. Sorry. All right. All right. Okay. I'm all set now. Good to go. All right. That's what I like to hear. So what's up? <laughs> what are you up to? Uh, I'm actually in... Uh, well, around Houston for a class for work. I'm stuck up here for uh, the next two weeks taking a, taking a work-related class. Oh, okay. All right. I hear you. Yeah, my brother Exciting and I. Exciting stuff. <laughs> I brought, I brought uh, Cash and, and Lorelai up with me, and uh, they're staying at the hotel. Cool. And All right. You got the whole bunch then. <laughs> Lorelai's cracking me up. She has like... Uh, all these made-up words for, like, really specific things, you know? Yeah. So, uh, she calls boobies boobies, but then she calls my boobies boobies, boobies, <laughs> which is a non-functional boobie. <laughs> okay. Hey, she's she's uh, she's working it out, right? Yeah. Uh, and then she's got something called bogots, which is a man that wears a pink backpack. <laughs> That's super specific. <laughs> Got it. I, I figured you know, the English language was missing a word specifically for that, so I would get it. <laughs> well, on the rare occasion that it happens, I mean, it's nice that uh, now there's a word <laughs> yeah, for it. Yeah, that word. Bro. Yeah. Bogots. What, uh, what's, what's new with you, man? How are you? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I can't complain. Uh, just got back from Iceland and, uh, you know, I got the show going. Um yeah, I didn't even know. I I, I didn't see any uh, uh, Instagram to that's my only means of staying connected with anyone at this point. But I didn't see anything purchasing that trip, and all of a sudden I just see like you and Liz 
in Iceland. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're all freaked out with the whole like uh, social media and like you know putting your vacation and then people get robbed. Like it's like a thing. So I'm always right. like, you know, I don't say anything. Plus, like, I didn't tell my mom or really anybody. Because, uh, you know, with work, with work and everything, it just, you know, when she knows something like this, it's just she goes into this crazy mode where it's like the world's coming to an end. So I just, you know, I tell her last minute, I ease her in, you know, just tell her to breathe and everything will be all right. <laughs> and, you know, and then I go and everything's fine. I came home. She was fine, you know. And But if I told yeah, her, yeah. you know, if I told her when I'd made the plans, forget it. The whole two months would have been a nightmare. Oh, she just gets nervous about that kind of type of travel or what? Uh, no, it's more, ma- mainly work-related. She really doesn't care about anything uh, else. Uh, I thought it was like fear of flying or something. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I, well, I mean, if she was afraid for, for herself, that's that'd be one thing, but I don't need her being afraid, yeah. afraid for me. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, how was I? It was a blast. It was a blast, dude. Everything was, you know, it was like... It was like being uh, in Neptune and being able to walk to, like New York City. Um, yeah, so it was like a it was like a mix between New York and Asbury, and you know small, uh, like Asbury, but just more, more stuff going on, but like not so populated and clean, and everyone was friendly, and you know cars yeah, would stop, yeah. for, you know, for you to walk. It was great, and then had little like sections like that's red. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. always wanted to go there, and and you think of it as like. It's like part of Europe, but it's just like it's bizarre that it's like out in the middle of the ocean kind of thing. It's like a Bermuda equivalent to uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, no, I hear yeah. you. Yeah, they didn't. I didn't. I started hearing them call it Europe. Uh, I guess on the plane ride over, um, or like during our first few hours there, and it, you know that's when it dawned on me. Like, oh shit, we're yeah, we are in Europe. You know, I yeah, yeah, I'm geographically uh, uh, stunted, so that, <laughs> just that realization in itself left me. Dude, um, that's it's okay. That's completely natural growing up in New Jersey. I think everybody in Jersey is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it trickles into my history. Like it's it's terrible. It's terrible. I can't gain any ground. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just uh, I'm here in Texas, living the life of a Texan. <clears throat> All right, drilling for um, oil and whatnot, <laughs> using big wrenches. Working on, yeah, we'll using big, working on oil rigs and uh, frying turkeys and, uh, you know, the work. So. Yeah, man. Do you do uh, the uh, the whole pulley system for to fry the turkey, or was it just the hook? <laughs> no, it was a uh, – I, I didn't cook it myself. I watched somebody do it. It was a, uh, uh, a very uh, – rugged process a dude in like uh cut off shorts and work boots with a coat hanger <laughs> yeah that sounds about right yeah with an, with an oil derrick in the background it was quite the experience <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like hey man i think you've i think you've uh seasoned the turkey enough and he's like ah what do you know this needs this much it comes off in the oil i'm like yeah but you're cooking three turkeys and the first one, all the seasoning went off in the oil. Now you're putting the second one in, and that seasoning goes off in the oil. Holy so by the crap. third one, that's the one that I had a bite of. I was like, Jesus. Cajun. Uh, Cajun, yeah. K- all Cajun means is, is it's so salty that it, it, 
taste is hot. You know, it's like something is so salty. It's not even <laughs> spicy. It tricks your tongue into thinking that it's spicy because it's so salty. You have a raw tongue at the end of every meal. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus, this is spicy. <laughs> no lemon, no lemon. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, I was, I was happy to uh, get the, uh, the, uh, the text from you a while back, the message, rather, uh, in regards to, uh, to mines and, and super psyched to uh, be a part of it. And uh, I was really honored that you asked me to, to, uh, to make an appearance, so. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thank you, thank you, Jim. Well, you're you're welcome. I mean, thank you for for coming on the show. That's uh, you know, for me, it's uh, it's an honor just talking to anybody that was a part of my past and uh, part of my musical, totally. you know, tapestry of uh, you know how I came up and and uh, and any you know anybody I can I can get a hold of and you know for 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 me talking to you uh kind of had its uh has a sort of novelty sense to it too because you're just you know you're in texas now so it was like well yeah you know of course i have to talk to gus he's half the country away you know i have to (laughs) find the hardest thing to do and figure out how to do it and then when you told me about your schedule and how you know oh yeah i'm like great this is even better because now it's like you know you're elusive Yeah, you'd think with a, a week on week off schedule, it would be pretty easy to do stuff, but it's, it actually is a little bit uh, more difficult than working just a, a nine to five or something. Um, yeah, elusive is a good a good word, I think, to describe it. Yeah, but uh, nonetheless, happy to be here. So <clears throat> awesome! And you're uh, keeping the dream alive, and you're you're playing. How how often do you get to play the guitar and maybe record a tune? Yeah, uh, the guitar portion of that, um, I, I keep. Uh, I, I recently, well, not recently, but I guess semi-recently, bought a uh, a uh, Seagull acoustic, one of those Canadian made. Yeah, I had a it had a yeah, just more bang for the buck kind of thing. Uh, it had a nice sound, and, and it uh, has a built-in uh, tuner, which is great for the fun just on the go or something, I have that to go by. Um, and it's a plug-in if I need it to be, but yeah, for the most part, I just try to make <clears throat> um, make tunes when they come to me, and uh, if most of the time, I would say, I'm just recording it onto my iPhone via like a voice memo. I'll be like driving or whatever, uh, you know, said melody uh, comes to me, and I just try to capture it in that moment or else it goes into the oblivion of my uh of my mind i guess yeah i don't if i don't grab it right then it's just gone <laughs> yeah 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 forget it you so, turn on some other music uh, so I, I owe a yeah I owe a huge debt to the, um my iphone and, and this uh in particularly my uh my book memo so but yeah uh, for the most part though it's it's uh Really, just uh, a lot of humming into a phone, and then uh, filing it, and kind of almost forgetting about it, and then playing it back at a certain point when I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go through some of this stuff, and I have a moment I can uh, I can sit down and, and you know open up uh, GarageBand or whatever it is, and, and try to um, dive into that some of that stuff. If I, if I hear something promising, I'll go ahead and try to simulate it. Usually you know, via some kind of mini port or something. Right. Um, 
and do it that way and just have like a, you know, a pre-manufactured drum beat or something to go by so I can keep everything in time and that way I can go back and layer it or, you know, if I ever give it to somebody else or something, it's easier for them to listen back to and play. But that's, that's been, that's been the method, I guess, for, um, oh man, for a while now. <clears throat> and, uh, one of the perks, I, I guess, a lot of people would see it as a bad thing, but one of the perks with this job is, is long drives. Like, I have a 230-mile drive to my job site. Wow. So, and I, I do it once a week, or, or twice a week, rather. So, it gives me, like, a four, five-hour time span that I'm in the car, and uh, um, and I, it's just, like, uh, for some reason, uh, melodies come to me when I'm either driving or I'm showering. Those are the two times where <laughs> where I get hit with stuff. Other than that, it's like, you know, my mind's on other things, but for some reason, those two instances, it really is, uh, the frequency is a lot more, so. Right, right. It always uh, seems that when you're fully engaged, uh, the muse yeah. tends to, to tug, tug at your, your shoulder, like, hey, uh, I'm ready now. Did yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and for that reason, I tend to try not to listen to music the entire car car ride because uh, I find that if I don't have anything to listen to like those are the times when I start like humming or something you know something pops out so right um, uh, definitely still listen to, to tunes obviously but um, yeah I just try to I don't know I've always been like a <laughs> uh, I guess a little uh sketched out, I guess, by, like, I'm, I'm afraid if I listen to too much new music that it will, like, impact a fresh idea that I may have had if I hadn't listened to that, you know? Right. So I'm, like, kind of almost scared to listen to too much new stuff, which I don't really listen to a lot of new stuff anyway, mm. but it kind of, like, spooks me out of listening to um, anything in, in, uh, in any large quantity, so. Right, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm familiar with that piecing together process because uh i mean i'm not sure exactly how you went about um you know writing stuff with landlines but for me uh, i've been you know sort of solitary for for the most part uh so it's 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 the same thing you know you make room uh during your day at you know opportune times to not listen to music or uh just try to you know space out and you get a little melody and get it on your phone and yeah yeah it's, it's it's a similar process i'm so i'm glad to hear you uh you know, chronicle it in the way you just did because it makes me feel less strange. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Like instruments are so it's such an arbitrary fact. And in, in as far as writing writing music for me, anyways, I, I um, if I have an instrument, that's great. And, and I'm sure this is the same. You know, with you, um, it's just uh, you know things just come to you. And if you have something to uh, play it on, or if, if it comes from noodling around on a guitar or something, then so be it. That's the way it was supposed to be found. But, right. um, but a lot of the stuff, uh, just comes as like, a, um, a melody straight to my head. And uh, the, most of the time, the only thing I have to really just get it down pat, it will come in a, in, a, in a exact key and everything. Right. I'll say, okay, I just know, just, I'm going to hum this. And then, and it's funny. Um, <clears throat> so now I'm right now I'm working, uh, with uh, a guy by the name of uh, Mike Kinsella. He's uh, ex-guitarist from 
a, an LA-based band uh, called Pontiac Pilot. Okay. And uh, and it's funny because I, I you know, um, <laughs> I'll like approach a song and be like, "Hey man, I, I have a new idea for a song." And he's fully, fully prepared to hear a voicemail of me humping the part. Like, that's what he expects <laughs> at this point. There is no, like, here, I'm going to grab a guitar and show you. It's like, right, right, right. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, and then this is the, this is the, uh, uh, this is the chorus part. <laughs> and then uh, here's the guitar solo that I picture in like, <laughs> And he just is able to just, just trans transpose that onto the guitar and actually I can figure out, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love him for that. Um, so, uh, and that's like what I've been missing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, uh, because there was never, oh yeah, we talk about landmines and stuff. Um, and, and even further back, if you go to like the, what about Frank days, I feel like, uh, that started off and like, Nobody kind of like when I got involved with that band, I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. Like I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Like my my only um, real experience with with music prior to that was like playing saxophone and, uh, and right. playing blue, blue keys torpedoes, with, right? with Brian. Yeah, blue torpedoes, and then playing keys with uh, with uh, Brian and uh, and you and and. Um, Oh, Rose. Rose. And, Sorry, I always forget about there, that. It was very, I mean, the keys were very subtle. Um, uh, but you were still and, fully engaged. I mean, you, you were, you know, you were working something out back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, and, and things made sense. And when I played certain things, I'm like, yeah, this is what, this is what, this is what belongs here. Like, that was always, uh, I guess, uh, it, that always made sense to me. Like, I knew when too much was too much, too little was too little. But right. so that was, that was a great experience. And then... Uh, and then the saxophone thing, I, I owe my, I forever owe a debt to starting and playing saxophone and choosing that instrument because it's an instrument based all around melody. Like that's where I feel like I learned structures of of, uh, of scales and and um, what notes go together. And and, uh, and later on, I've used the saxophone to start, you know, to make my own, you know, probably some of my first harmonies and have that make sense to me. But uh, as far as like really 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 playing music what i would consider like okay now i'm really diving deep into this uh was you know happened first with with what about frank and i joined that band basically it was started with paul and sam and and they were like yeah you want to you know you want to sing or something like, <laughs> like <laughs> uh yeah i guess you know and, and prior to that i uh hadn't really sung on anything other than backup stuff or something and, and I I've written a few songs but I didn't consider myself as a singer or anything. But anyways, uh right, right. So got 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 involved in that and then you're I'm playing, you know, keyboards or guitars or something. There's two things that I really didn't want to play. And uh when I look back I feel like the most com- comfortable moments I felt playing with what about Frank were and which was an all around great experience, obviously, but right. um or when I was just singing that's it, you know? And I felt like I had the most connection with the music, most connection with the people and the players and the audience and everything else. So, um, with landlines, um, uh, I kind of, uh, played guitar, but not by choice. Um, by more like, Oh, we just kind of needed a second guitar. And Brian and I have talked about it, you know, 
that yeah, we should uh, we should get a second guitar player, a third guitar player, you know, something like this. To, yeah, wall of sound uh, type thing. Yeah, yeah, and and we discussed it in, in more and more detail towards the end of of uh, Landline's um, run there, and and it's something I wish we we explored uh, because of the fact that I, I know that I feel the most comfortable just singing. So um, I love writing music. I love it to death, but when it comes to performing, like I never wanted to be a guitar player. Wow. Um, and I, I don't consider myself a guitar player. I don't consider myself really a, a, a player of any instrument. I I just play enough to record a song and to write songs. That's it. Like that's, And then I'm like, okay, done. Bring someone in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, Paul, are you going to do this? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, and I've been super spoiled with the people I've worked with where they're just like so on point where I can just, like, like I said, I mean, I can just hum stuff to the mic and he's like, oh, of course, you know, and I've been able to do that in the past. Like Brian was great with that. And Paul's great with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, same here. I was, I all similarly spoiled and, uh, yeah. I mean, and, it's just like the, you know, the stuff, the arsenal we have at our fingertips growing up, just like you look back and like Jesus, and then you don't really notice it until you like go to like, <laughs> Get a little perspective, right? Yeah. Oh, I should have should have done so much more. (laughs) Yeah, everything. (laughs) Yeah, that's why. Like for Uh, for me, guitar is sort of more of a conduit uh, in the same sense that I you know I you know I I practiced a whole lot uh, in a really short amount of time and got uh, a pretty good skill set developed. But in the end, because of the time I spent not playing afterwards. You right. know the 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 overall skill level sort of spread itself out into the different portions. So like you know I can write a decent lead, I can write a decent rhythm. I'm pretty good with melodies. I have an ear for harmonies. So it's like you know I developed all these other skills sort of as uh as like um uh like collateral. It was like collateral uh training, um just based on you know all the the riffing and stuff that I was trying to do. And over the years, you know, I like spending time not playing and listening to like this, you know, bitch and music, you know, like Dillinger Escape Plan or the Mars Volta or like the, you know, what about Frank right. and the Parlor Mob? I'm like, oh, I can play this stuff. I can play this stuff. I can play this stuff because I could hear it. And I knew if I could hear it and know what they were doing that I could do it myself. But over yeah, time, yeah. you know, I just hadn't developed the speed, the dexterity, um, you know, the, the just the overall technique and, and delicate, you know, uh, way that you have to sort of hit certain things. And like a lot of the stuff that, that I listen to, especially by, you know, the caliber bands um, that I uh, focus on because of what they're doing, uh, they're actually playing a lot lighter than you would think, even though it's this, like, right, pretty, right. clashy music. So that's always been uh, my my fallback, you know, where it's just, like, I'm just, like, a brute. I've got no, uh, yeah. you know... You know, it's, it's so funny you say that because I remember... Um, Trying to play Casey Cormier's, uh, I guess he had a, a Les Paul, I think it was. I'm not sure. It was a Gibson of some sort. Right. It's like turquoise or something. When we oh, that, that green thing with the black pickguard, right? Yeah, yeah. And we started playing with, you know, uh, what about Frank when Casey first joined the band? He's like, I have a guitar you can use. So I was like, okay. And that was when I was like trying to like wear a guitar, don't know how to play <laughs> Plug me in. Somebody make this like make some sense, and then I'm gonna play this keyboard with like a 
Wawa on a phaser pedal, and then I'm also going to sing at the same time. Okay, this is a great <laughs> idea, guys. <laughs> and then I'm like, nailing notes on the guitar, usually the wrong notes. But I remember Paul saying to me, hey, you don't have to play so hard. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I just felt like compelled to like really like, you know, like take take and really pull pull across the strings. And, and it's totally that. But people that are ripping the hardest are like, just like barely touching strings. It's yeah. Just like, yeah. All techniques is crazy. And you're like, how, how else is it going to get loud? Yeah. If I don't beat it up, <laughs> someone's got to be yeah, crying yeah, at the yeah. end of this set. It's not going to be me. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, I compare it to uh, looking back at it, I guess it's like somebody that knows nothing about like karate is being <laughs> like trying to break a board, being like really pissed, like, oh, I want to break this thing. And then like person that knows how to like the technique and just like can do it effortlessly. But like, <laughs> yeah, they got walk away like a huge bump on their head and a board that's not broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be watching, my friend. <laughs> exactly. So, well, it's great to hear um, you uh, uh, frame it in that way because, you know, watching you guys do it, you guys were like the most pro band uh, around. What about Frank with, with you playing keys, playing the guitar, singing, you know, singing these amazing melodies um and you know when you when you dug deep enough into the lyrics just like being knocked over by these just profound one-liners that you've always seemed to have in your arsenal which is what like you know if if i were to put down my 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 favorite quality of you uh it would be a battle between the messages in in the shortest amount of time that you deliver uh and your melodies Oh, I, I appreciate it, man. It's nice of you to say. And um, yeah, I, I you know lyrics never really. I, I've always been like I've always appreciated lyrics, but I, I remember like reading the booklet to like one of the first things I remember reading like front to back, like the insert to uh, the shape of punk to come, and I was like just reading all these lyrics, like well, it's really heavy stuff, you know, like that refused album, which I was obsessed with for a bit when it first came out, like '99 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I went to school, I went up to college, and I um, I had to take a, an English course, and I took my first English, and it was like my option was to either take English two or to take uh, poetry, um, world poetry or something. It was like a poetry class introduction or something. So I was like, yeah, I'll just take this. It's pretty cool. No problem. And I remember seeing it, and I first read, I think some, you know, it was like excerpts from Dante or something, and it was like, uh, Dante's Inferno or whatever, and it was like, you know, I was like, man, this is some heavy stuff, like, I don't even know what's going on, but like, <laughs> slowly, like, it introduced you to uh, more and more modern stuff, and you got to, like, the Emily Dickinson stuff, and the Wordsworth, and the, uh, Andrew Marvel, and it was all of a sudden, like, you start reading it, and you're like, oh, these are, like, these are, like, lyrics, like, it's, it all had, like, this, like, time signature, and, like, rhythm. Right, right. Yeah, and it like really clipped to me there with wordplay, like to make the words flow and then to also use like, okay, you have like sixteen lines to make this happen. Like better fill the space up with something that matters, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. I didn't want to sing about like, you know, just really random stuff. Not to say that there's anything wrong with like super poppy stuff, because there's a place time and place for that, obviously. Yeah, no, I mean well. the, yeah, exactly. There's uh, you know, Different Motown techniques and, 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 and certain Motown stuff and certain pop stuff and 80s music pretty much in total. <laughs> yeah. It's really great. Um, and I love it, but it's, you know, it's, it's not what I was trying to do. And for some reason that, that really connected. 
connected the dots for me. So yeah, so then uh, I, I was afforded the opportunity to sing and when I, you know, I just graduated college, and uh, and I, it became clear to me at that point because Paul and Sam were like, yeah, you know, come on over. It was uh, Sam's place in Brunson, and like, yeah, um, Sam and I like recorded the stuff and they played me at the tape before I got over there. And I was like, man, this is really, this is really great, you know? And uh, they're like, dude, do you want to, you know, do you want to play in the band? And I was like, okay, it was just like Sam and Paul. And then like, I ended up going down there and, and <clears throat> at the end of the night, we ended up, I think we wrote, uh, we had roughly written out, I think Paul and Sam already kind of had it worked, uh, uh, Thought Codes, that was like one of the first tunes. Yes. And they're like, yeah, let's all like write the lyrics for it. And like, we all wrote different lines. That's why that, that song made like no sense lyrically. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, so like, you got stressed. So I like went to the bathroom and sat in the tub and sang like Thought Codes. And like, I think we still have like the original version of that, which is, would be hilarious to listen to. But um, yeah, and then, and then from there, um, that experience, you know, that that music evolved and, and became uh, something really great, and it was a great means to kind of build build a, a lyrics around. Um, and uh, and you know, especially in the beginning, when it was like it was wild music, and we were all trying to do so many things at once that you know sing like for a minute and then leave it for like two minutes and then come back and sing something and be like, you know, that's good. We're just, at that point, we were just like balls to the wall bananas. Like, right. I don't know. I, we were all listening to, to crazy stuff. And, and, uh, and that and was, was art. Great, great. Yeah. It was just like no rules, no limits. We're just going to do this and we're just going to know that we're going to guess. Just like, we were just like cocky for good reason though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys um, killed it. So there was really nothing to take away from that. <laughs> but I mean, it'd be like, you know, we're going to play this and then we're going to play this entire song with a phaser pedal and then I'm just going to hit this note here and it's just going to be wrong, but I'm just going to be, I'm just going to play it like, like I mean it and it's going to be a wrong note and I'm just going to hold it and like look at you and be like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Full experience. Yeah, man. Oh, it was great, man. And I, I, that was like, I remember one of my fondest memories in, in my whole music making experience is playing uh, meeting factory at the basement and sadly that show uh, nobody recorded it because everybody was there and, and that's kind of the beauty of that time period where nobody had camera phones right uh, you know if you had a camera it was like one rogue person brought a camcorder or something but um, everybody came there and I'm kind of glad that it, it, it wasn't recorded because that you know it was such an intimate moment it was a we were all packed, like all our friends were packed in the basement there, and uh, there's so many people. Um, Brian Graham was there, he told me later on, he's like, yeah, I was at this show, like, what? You know, it's so bizarre. Um, and it was just, yeah, we played, uh, what about Frank? I think that was when Casey had first joined the band, and we first got, like, a sound going, and, and Casey was um, comfortable with the bass lines, which was basically right away, because that guy's insane at bass. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we played. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment in the history of my musical career, for sure. Awesome. Um, and I'm sure yeah. the, the beauty that it did it lives within uh, in your head uh, could out, outdoes anything you know any camcorder could have captured or. or... Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm really, really happy to have uh, 
uh, the Dewey Stains uh, DVD from the Saints, but <laughs> but this this uh, it's it's so sweet just to have that as as a memory uh, that that first gig uh, with us, Frank show, and um, yeah, so and I guess I'll go like chronologically to this. Uh, yeah, um, man, however you want. Um, so. And then from that point, and then we played as little friends, and then you know, obviously members changed and stuff. And I think, um, looking back, I think uh, uh, it was obviously a completely beautiful experience. Um, I think I started having creative changes at that point, um, and the music was getting more and more complex. I think. Um, right. Uh, and um, and I. At that point, I started listening to like uh, acoustic music, and um, and that was the first time where I heard like fuzz folk, like uh, almost the first time I heard Neutronic Hotel on a mixtape. Right. Uh, I was given a mixtape, and I heard that, and and that really blew my mind. That like, changed my whole perspective on music. So it was like, here's a a guy or you know group, mostly a guy that's like. He doesn't give a shit about what it sounds like if it's recorded and it sounds like ass, but it sounds awesome. Right. And he's like writing these tunes. Basically, every tune on this, you know, it was on Avery Island was the first thing I heard. And he's like writing all of these tunes you could play with like six notes. They're like the six basic guitar notes that you learn in Guitar 101. Right. And he just changes them around and plays them in different orders. And he has this full album of songs. And you don't even notice that they're the same notes until you go to play the stuff. And then you're listening to it, and the lyrics are just, the first time I heard it, it just blew my mind. Like, he had a really distinct voice, but his lyrics were like, me. like what is this guy talking about? Like, they were so far out, but so intricate and so well played. Like, it's, it was just, it blew my mind. So it Like, concisely, really uh, concisely abstract. To where you, yeah, when you like, give yourself a minute to take it in, maybe smoke a joint or something, you're like, holy fuck. Yeah. That just and, changed and my world. Completely. And, um, yeah, it just, everything. It was really abstract and, and really, but really powerful and really meaningful to me. And, and it really, something just, you know, there's a connection there. And, uh, between that and then at that same, or at that same time, I had thought, uh, uh, Hayden Desser's um, Live at Convocation Hall, which if you're not a, a Hayden listener, it's definitely worth a listen. Uh, he's like strongly influenced by like Neil Young, he's another uh, Canadian. Um, and he plays a lot of like Neil Young style. Uh, he's really influenced by his acoustic stuff, you know? Cool, yeah. But he's a really different voice. <clears throat> and uh, just the way that he was writing tunes and, and how simple they were and stuff. I just... Uh, had a, a lot of that stuff playing, and then I found like an old tape of you know my one of my first cassette tapes that I ever owned was uh, Simon Garfunkel tapes, uh, and I just like found that and listened to that, listened to it nonstop. Um, and I was going to Brookdale at the time, or around that time rather. Uh, I was just kind of in between things, and, and I was going to, to Brookdale for music and. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know, between like a music history course that I took there, and um, well, I guess that was after the fact, actually. So those other bands happened first, and then that kind of started impacting my, my 
connection with the music we were playing as What About Frank, and uh, and it was like, I wanted to start playing maybe, you know, I really yearned for music to be more lyric-friendly, I guess, like right. vocal melody-friendly, and that's not what we were, uh, you know, what, what About Frank was exactly trying to do at that point, and, um, and then, you know, there was just other stuff, and, and we, you know, we opted to go our separate ways and, and that was really bittersweet but um, but completely necessary in the, the grand scheme of things because what what about Frank needed at that point really was uh, a vocalist that had the raw power that like Mark had I mean that was just insane I remember hearing his vocals on an Annika uh, uh, demo uh, we had played a show with Annika um, uh, at the Brighton and I mean, it's just beyond belief when, when you hear that guy sing. Yeah. And um, so it just that that seemed to be the right fit, you know. So um, so then yeah. So after that, um, I started taking classes at Brookdale, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Brookdale and get a you know start working towards a music composition degree or something. So I took piano classes and, and guitar classes and a, a recording engineering class there and then I took like history of pop music class and it, this, that stuff started really um, like uh, impacting you allow me to kind of reapproach uh, or not even reapproach like approach songwriting like a solo songwriting thing because like, I never even thought it out before right anytime I thought about playing music especially when you play someone with the, with the caliber like you know always kind of like amused when it comes to certain things it's like yeah all right you know i, I can play this paul's gonna be playing with me so i can play this you know but to approach something like okay i'm gonna try to play this by myself and when you're so used to playing with a guy like paul you're like oh what is this <laughs> yeah that's that's um, the that's the worst part because you're like uh all right you know do i commit to this recording do i commit to how it's how, right, how i'm yeah, playing it or is someone else gonna you know play it better and and you know so let me not worry about it yeah you start playing it, games uh, with yourself. yeah were those programs uh, part of like a like a degree program or something? Because I like I've always wanted to take courses like that, but I couldn't really um, find yeah, anything. I think it was like Logic and like another MIDI driven uh, system, uh, which I forget the, the name. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, not Maestro, something something similar. I don't know. They're kind of outdated, I guess now, but right. They were great. Great at that point, just to like prove to myself that I could construct a song like on like in front of me you know like right on a program and like meet this work um and um and then I like serendipitously found a uh, a pile of tapes while I was leaving Brookdale once I was leaving like the music history course or uh, no it was a classical music course that I took and um I was leaving class and I saw a like T-Rex, Electric Warrior, tape, totally great condition, just left on the table. And with like a bunch of other tapes that were like missing from the cassettes, but like that's the one that jumped out at me. I'm like, yeah, T-Rex, grab this thing, I grab it. And at the time I had it, only had a tape player. And I could pop it in. I listened to that tape nonstop. And that <laughs> thing really blew my mind too, because there's another guy that like, his approach to music is super simple, but he makes like, it's all these simple riffs. And it's just like, the best stuff, you know? He has deeply profound so, uh, melodies and, and rhythms that yeah, live in, in like, history man, still. Um, so, 
that was really uh, inspiring. And from there, um, I bought a Tuscan four track. I said, forget this. I'm just going to start trying this, you know? Uh, I had a, I don't know what guitar it was. I think, uh, I'm not sure where I got it from, like an acoustic, a two strings, right. and then some bl- blown out electric guitar I borrowed from somebody. Paul had went, went to an acoustic at some point. I'm not sure. But, you know, between those three uh, guitars, um, recorded what would be three out of uh, three of the landlines tunes that would later be recorded, and then a few other tunes that um, were never released or anything I still have. Right, right. Yeah, which you was know, that was upon tape, and that was years before landlines, right? Years, do you years do you remember but, running into me uh, in Red Bank and pulling me into yeah, your car? Yeah, I do, and and I remember, yeah, and I remember you yeah, playing. Uh, that was after a show. What about Frank's show? Right. And I had a really, really rough version of actually what would be, I think, for the love of mud, and then also for uh, for the love of mud and uh, uh, slaves to the to an accordion yes. for the two tunes. Yeah. And yeah, and I was like, yeah, I got these ideas, and like, you know, at that point, I'm just like, it's like I'm using a four track balancing, so I have like, you know, eight guitar tracks going. <laughs> <laughs> And it sounded out of control and all these different volumes and you could hear the tape clipping in and out and stuff. But it was like my first experience really trying to get stuff down and, and uh, really document what I was trying to do. And that was the first time where I could play it back, overdub and then listen back. And like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this part now. And then really make it come alive, you know? It's, yeah, and carry it around with you. Yeah, and then you layer it. And yeah, then you drive around with it and you play it. I remember you were explaining to me your, uh, your, your theory on some lyrics for... A song you were naming uh, Dog Quixote. Do you remember that? What was it called? Dog Quixote, like Don Quixote, but Dog Quixote. I see. I don't even know. Where you you, you were like, yeah, and then I'll have like uh, the the artwork will be like the picture of Don Quixote, but with like a dog face, and I'm just like yeah, sitting in yeah, the passenger seat of the car, like this is amazing. <laughs> of course. Yeah. No, I was super. So okay. So. Ever since, like, a super young age, I've been, like, super, super uh, obsessed with, like... Uh, Conquistadors? Uh, personification and uh, what, alliteration, I guess. Well, I'm not sure what they're proper, but, like, when they speak of, like, like Animal Farm. And, and, I hear you, uh, yep. Yeah, and, uh, I, like, same with, like, all, like, the Disney specials and, like, you know, Prince and the Pauper make it with Disney movies. Because it was, like, all these animals, but they're as, like, humans, like... That would inspire all my tattoos that I have now. But um, I, uh, that always made sense to me, and I always like. So the first artwork I did for any of the stuff, which would later really turn into landline stuff, was like this was my old dog McGee, but like taking uh, um, taking Christopher Columbus like drawings and then putting my dog instead of his face, or um, just like really like crappy. Photoshop cut and paste of like a bird, and then I take the removed beak and replace it with like a picture I took of my dad's like uh, uh, landscaping shears or something. You know, I was like, it's always like blending stuff or whatever. But yeah, I had like these ideas in my head for like, like I wanted to release just like an EP with two songs, and it just had artwork and two songs, front and back. And then you go to the next thing. That's it. It's done. You know? Like, those are the lyrics. Right. This is the artwork. Moving to the next thing. I don't ever want to commit to a full album. 
that's how like, I felt. Partially because a full album is pretty uh, intimidating to, to uh, you know approach in the first place. But the other thing is, you know, you, can, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. You can go to the next thing, you know. So, um, but yeah, uh, um, that's so uh, which is what I hear things. like people are doing right now. There, uh, Paul was mentioning to me that uh, there's like these record labels that will release an album from a band, and it's uh, you know just a single, maybe a B side but usually just a single and you know that's that's the record you know it's a, the record right. and that's what they'll call it and then you know so I guess that does give you some flexibility because you can always just switch your sound yeah right? switch some instruments yeah, up jump the, exactly and and uh, yeah and start fresh and I love that concept I, I think that would still be something to approach um, where I sit down to actually record record and, and make something but um yeah, so all that stuff, long story short, um, I took to that recording of uh, Pretty Penny Ten. That was all that stuff I ended up recording at my parents' house. Uh, and and then eventually kind of shelved it and went back to school. It wasn't until um, I met up with Brian again later on, um, years later, I was in New York, and the two of us were talking, and we just like, you're shooting shit and mentioned that, you know, he had a guitar and he had a twelve string, still had all this gear up there, but he hasn't played it in so long. And um and so we ended up like starting to like grab some beers and slice the pizza or something and going up to uh Brian's roof or to my place, uh to Cash Nice place in, in Brooklyn or and Brian was living uh I think like upper west side area that, at that point. And just go up to the roof and play play tunes. Just uh, and he's like, "Yeah, do you have any tunes?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, I've got this one, and I got this other one." And, and pretty soon, Brian was like, "Yeah, I got this one. You know, you should play these things." And I was interested how to play like rhythm guitars, lines to it, and it ultimately ended up being like uh, being guided as well. He played for me with the first track actually. He played for me. He's like, "Yeah, I wrote this tune." Nice. It's great, you know. So so I think we learned like pretty penny pants and. Uh, um, an old uh, Apache Relay tune uh, that was a band that I was in for a brief moment uh, in time um, that actually played Professor Vine uh, the original version which was much slower oh wow yeah and um, yeah and then started playing these tunes I had written like Professor Vine and pretty many times they were all written like you know five, six, seven years earlier and I had taken this massive musical hiatus and then I was like, you know, this is really great. And Brian's like, yeah, these are, you know, Brian, these are great tunes. It's just silly that we just have these and, you know, you didn't do anything with them or just do something with them. It's like, all right, you know, so Brian spoke with Robbie and James, who, you know, James I worked with in Irving Road. You're super familiar with him, super technical drummer. And, yeah. Uh, Robbie, Robbie was a guitar player and uh, Robbie Cesaro and, I was living in the area, in the Asbury Park area, and he's like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll play bass. Uh, I can get a bass. I'll play bass. And, right, uh, right. So he did play guitar so, then before that. Yeah, yeah. All right, because so, I, I was under the impression, somebody told me that he just decided to play bass one day and and was your guy's bass player. And I still... I, I, was, I mean, he was, to my knowledge, uh, he was, like, his, all his experience was in playing guitar, and then he was like, yeah, I'll just play bass. Like, you guys need a bass player, I'll play bass, you know? Right, right. So it's it like, okay. It's more so, I guess, um, the switch that that became uh, mythological because 
I just from a couple different people and like I still to this day uh I, I listen to you know Landline's album and I'm listening to the bass lines and I'm just like did he write those maybe maybe Brian wrote those or maybe it's a collaboration right. like oh you should try this Robin was just strange to be a practice and Robin would just like play this bass lick that was like completely fitting and like not like anything that anyone else was playing but it was like great matched perfectly but it was like where the hell did that come from right just like yeah, you know, it's someone like, yeah, that's, that's the line. That's what I'm going to play. Right, right, right. That's cool to me, man. That's what you're doing. And it's like um, wherever he, he just kind of put his little spice into it, uh, right. it just it was, developed yeah, it was, its own character, you know, and then he would just like, you know, play whatever you guys are playing for a minute totally. here and there and then, you know, do his thing. And, and yeah, it just made it made sense. And it was like very, you know, he approached it in a very uh, non-friendly manner. And if there was anything to say about landlines, it was like, you know, really what Brian and I spoke about first before even like, striking note was like, man, I love the 90s so much, and Brian's like, I love the 90s so much, and we're like, man, we have been friends forever. <laughs> we should play in a band that's like 90s music. And, and that's like kind of where it took off for him. Like, um, uh, yeah, so we, we uh, were a band at that point, and somebody called James's house, and we were trying to find out a name. We were just like, had no idea what to call the band, and somebody called James. James's uh, house that he uh, uh, was his grandmother's old house, and uh, and she still had a landline there. And, and somebody like it was like Robbie or someone or Brian was like, "Man, you still have a landline?" And they were like, <laughs> "Yes." You know, it was like agreed. Like, yeah, we should call them landlines. Like, we're like sweet, you know. So, so we went there, and that's, so that's how we got the name. And then we just played our first show at I think it was uh, Pianos in New York, and made flyers, and it was like the excitement all over again made all of, like, we went to Retromedia and uh, recorded, did we put a Retromedia for that? For the for the Love of Mud album. No, um, no, that was done at the Dude Ranch. Um, and we decided, yeah, we're going to record uh, in ET. And, I was going to say, because uh, at that point, I was, you know, we were all in this community, like, familiar with what was coming out of Retromedia. And you guys just kind of came yeah. out of nowhere. I remember, like, yeah, no, because we were like, no, we're gonna play the Dude Ranch. I forget how that ended up being the choice, but I think maybe we saw um, uh, the owner of the Dude Ranch out. Uh, now my name is slipping my mind, um, but whatever. It, uh, and and we talked with him, and uh, he was like, yeah, our studio. So we went and played there, and I think we like pumped that EP out like two or three days or something really quickly. Um, and I think two days actually. Wow. And then, uh, and then like I made artwork for it. I already had the ideas for the artwork and we played a bunch and then we had it and let's, let's be a band. Let's start playing shows. So we started off really, really strong. Landlines was really, really exciting when it first happened. And I remember playing our first show and I was like, Jesus Christ, I have to play guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I thought, like, I thought you guys understood, like, at what point did anybody think that I was going to be playing the guitar? But like, you know, I played it on the recording, and like, so I just like it was good for me because it forced me to have to play, um, play, and it really helped me play and sing uh, and get really used to that, and that ultimately would help me in my songwriting later on. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was really great to do. That was super liberating to. Put, you know, to start my mind and to, for once, be writing my own tunes, and then Brian started writing tunes and writing tunes together, and 
that was a really, really cool experience. And all these tunes I had built up, it was finally like I had like some kind of release, you know. Yes. And all this stuff that I was like, you know, I know these are good songs, I just don't, you know, I don't have an album. And um, then the love you broke. And uh, yeah, so it was free to do. So we did landmines for a bit, and sadly, landmines only had like 14 live shows, and that was kind of a we were spread apart. Where you know, some of us were in New York, some of us were in Jersey, and um, we never really knew where to play the shows, either New York or New Jersey, or, uh, and then practices were kind of difficult at that point. And right. So that right. was like, if, if landmines is a band, you know, we all lived close by and we could practice three days a week and we were playing a show, at least a show a month, if not two months. I mean, that was really, really, I think it would have... You'd have had like three um, albums out. Yeah, I think we'd have just kept kept writing. Was, um, I mean, Brian started off like one or two tunes and then he was like ultimately writing like half the material towards the end. I mean, he just was pumping, pumping song after song. I remember he showed me... Um, for file fake, what would later become for file fake, you show me a guitar riff, and I was like, dude, that's the coolest guitar riff I've ever heard. <laughs> that's like, awesome. um, just like, you know, coming out of nowhere with certain stuff, so, and Brian's really well-versed with uh, what, what he plays and, and how he plays stuff, and he really thinks out that he can play a bunch of different stuff, so. Well, it was um, cool uh, hearing yeah. your guys' styles mesh, because I knew you know, he had sort of a 90s influence or at least like a, a liking uh, from hanging out with Irving Rose and stuff. He'd show me stuff like a first aid kit and, um, you know, just always had that, just that grungy, you know, power chords and, you know, yeah. and then his his classically trained style where he would just go nuts with some finger picking and, and you know, just like bar totally. chords and all that. You know, I think... I think the two of us fell in love with Brian and his, his, his style of playing when we saw him with kids at MM Ball. I mean, I, that was like when I was like became obsessed with Brian Graham's guitar playing. Yeah, that was it. That was it. I think Paul could say the same thing too. So I remember the three of us like lined up. You guys were playing a Sam show at that point, and we were like, whenever lined up, oh my god, <laughs> like crazy. What the fuck is that? Um, yeah, what is going on? <laughs> he's screaming he had too. That wild scream. Yeah, he's screaming too. What? You know, and his scream is awesome. It's not like it's one of these huge screams that you hear in these always oh, hardcore Right, right. It's like he should be the main guy. Yeah, he should be the, the <laughs> screaming or string guitar, but he's being both. That's even more mind blowing. Right, right. And then the, um, whole, and the whole band followed. It was great. Yeah, the whole yeah exactly. It was like going crazy. And, um, so. But yeah, and then, and then ultimately, or this we we took uh, that momentum and we decided at a certain point, like we need to do an EP, you know, do the band justice and do an EP and or not an EP an LP rather. And at that point, it was kind of clear that um, the band was towards the end of things. But uh, I was about to move to Texas, and uh, Robbie is, I guess, ultimately would be moving to California. I don't know if that was set in motion at that point. Yeah, but everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And, Right, work was right. you know, picking up for a lot of people and um, so we, we decided we were going to do a, a full length and, and really try to uh, kick out the best tunes that we had at that point and, and go forward with those and the decision was made to keep For the Love of Mud off because we already had that on the team God, these ones and these ones and right, we, right um, and we, we sat down with Paul and we decided we wanted to do a virtual meeting and have Paul engineer and uh, we just went went for it, and that was a crazy process because we were able to record 
almost all of the drums and the bass and the guitar, um, I guess the drums and the bass were done like in the first like session or two. And then I yeah, remember like... We it's were, typical. We, yeah, we weren't sure how to approach it. I think we had like a three-day slot booked or something, like over a weekend or something originally. And we were, you know, at a certain point, we're like, let's just record a full song at a time after we finished the drums and the bass. And that's pretty pretty punch was the first one we decided to try. So we like ended up recording all the vocals and stuff for pretty pretty funny times at Retro Media, and like that's why we were able to use like John's like that weird keyboard thing you hear in that little quarter dealio thing. Yes. Like all John's little bells and whistles, and um, and Pod always great ideas because he's really familiar with that like, studio. <clears throat> but uh, ultimately, we're like, no, we're gonna have to approach this a little bit differently because it's just gonna take too much time that way. So. I think Brian went back, he did overdubs, and then there were no vocals other than what we had recorded in that first like day or two on a couple tracks. Um, and I ultimately, I think I ended up recording a couple overdubs as far as keyboard parts with Paul like the, um, at the, the place they shared in Long Branch with uh, Wilder's band, with Chief Grinder. Right. Um, I recorded a couple keyboard tracks and my backing vocal sections there. But for the most part, I recorded all of the vocals, the main vocals at Paul's, Paul Tenney's spot uh, in Ocean Grove in like, I don't know, probably six hours total over the course of like two days or something. I was like, really, it's a crunch time, like have to get this done. At the apartment? We're about to like, I'm about to leave, you know, <laughs> I'm about to leave New Jersey. Yeah, I can't, wow. I can't leave without, I mean, it was in like the last week of me being there. Holy uh, shit. I remember, you know, and, and, and we're trying to pack, and, you know, get everything together. And Cass was about to start school and right when we get to Texas. So. Yeah, because um, I was so far removed from the scene at that point that I, you know, in my head, you guys, I like I didn't even know these things were set in motion as far as everybody moving. and, and Yeah, I don't, nobody was even really told about it. Like at the last minute, I pulled Scott in and I said, Scott, you have to do backups in this one, this one tune. And he's like, and at first it was for um, There's a Man in the Water, and Scott was like, I'm not touching this song. The song needs to stay how it is. I'm not doing anything to it. And I was like, well, I want you to sing backups. And he's like, fine, I'll sing backups on a, uh, he ended up singing on Garden Songs. Garden was, Songs, yeah. Person. Great rhythm. That, 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 that one just always tickles my head when it comes in. Yeah, so, <clears throat> um, and then that was it. And then it, it, we didn't, you know, we didn't hear it. The album didn't fin- it wasn't finished for like nine months after that. Like I moved to Texas and it was kind of like we forgot about it. And ultimately, it ended up in Sonny the Prairie's hand, who was the sound engineer for the Parlor Mob during the Dog session. Right. And, okay. Uh, sent it his way, and he mixed the entire thing in LA, and um, and then sent it to Brian and I as a master tapes or whatever, and. That was sent to New York, and we had it done. I'm, I'm not sure what the studio was, but then I matched it. And it, the first time I heard it, I bought it off of iTunes. I actually bought my Holy <laughs> shit. That thing <laughs> went all even, over the place. I didn't even know when the hell it was coming out. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I heard like from Brian, and you he was heard. like, yeah, you can get it now. And I was like, well, I can't play this shit. Like, somebody send it to me. And so I, I'm like retarded when it comes to computers. I was like, I can't open it, you know? My friend BJ uh, probably still, emailed you. <laughs> Check out your album, like, bro. I'm sending, yeah. 
I'm sending complaints to the rest of the band, but only pushing reply, not reply all, so only Brian gets it. <laughs> like, what's the big idea, guys? You know. Um, so I just bought it on iTunes, my own album. Like, you know, playing my own stuff, and I just shamelessly bought it. It's like, whatever, it's going to the band. No, it's not it's on iTunes. Um, right, right, so, right. Uh, yeah. So and then that was that. And we had we had it, and it was great. And I didn't actually get to listen to it. But Brian and I met up for the first time in years, uh, like last Christmas, I think, like right before last Christmas or something. And we listened to it for the first time together, the two of us, like from from you know, Brian and I started the band on a roof in in Manhattan, oh, man. just messing around, having tall boys, and and then here we are, six years later, listening to it for the first time together. Because we never even had a listening session, you know. What a journey. Yeah. That album was all over the um, place. But Landlines was great because that's why um, when Pat's on the third process, we uh, ended up becoming neighbors. This couple were renting the house next to us. And I see uh, somebody bringing my guitar in there at their house one day or something. I I bought a guitar and I had my guitar in it. Uh, I was playing in their house. He's like, Oh, you play guitar? And I said, Yeah, I mean, the time I used to play in this band, I told him about landlines. He's like, Oh, it's great, man. I used to play music here. He's like, Oh, that's awesome. Why haven't we ever talked about this? And I'm like, You know, it's the first time we've met each other. And he's talking about, like, you know, all these bands, that, especially the 90s stuff. And I'm like, Yeah. And then I, a little later on that week, I, like, I, I went back to work and I, I see that. You know, I was checking at that point the landlines uh, feed on iTunes and like Bandcamp and stuff, and I see this like really nice post on it, and it ends up like this dude bought this album and listened to the full thing like over and over and like really dug it. Nice. So then I saw him again, and it ends up being this guy Mike, and uh, we decided we were gonna play, and he's like, "Give me tunes written," and I had these four tunes that I hadn't you know hadn't really recorded and uh or i had them recorded but they're really rough recordings and i just played them tunes and, and we sat down one night we just like got pizza and uh went to my place and um we just recorded these four tunes and uh we just uh started from there and i think we've written probably 15 15 songs now and, and it's like a case where I can just go to practice and say you know well when we do have practices but it's right. more like we're just writing tunes right now but I can just like come up with a song in whatever fashion and show him and uh, and then he can play guitar parts to it and we take it from there so and it's and the next what, thing yeah uh, some of that stuff that I, I sent to you was uh, like the bring me down tune and uh, uh some of that other stuff, yeah. yeah, love it, love it. And, and I noticed uh, it was funny. I was uploading them to to the computer, and uh, and Liz points out that each one of them was sort of under a different heading, like Teak and Orange, and um, there was a I forget what the other one was, but uh, yeah, she, yeah. She's like, "See, you're not I, the only crazy one." He's <laughs> he's you know because I'm like that. I'm hearing Gus. Like <laughs> yeah. You know, at a certain point, I was like, you know, everything I do it with. Mike, I like it to be under uh, like the title like Peak and Orange. It's like which were the uh, first uh, the, the the two biggest um, atmospheric uh, 
H-bomb detonations. It's like, I watched this whole documentary on it, and it's insane. They're like so ridiculously big that there's no reason they ever were invented. You know? oh and yeah, that's like Keegan Orange. I'm like, that's why the crazy rain here. And I got all these old, like, 1950s recordings of these um, military broadcasts that had that, like, name in the sample. So I'm like, that's just kind of a cool, like, project name or something. Oh, wow, that's cool. And um, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing with, with Mike currently. And uh, I still do, you know, we'll, we'll come up with uh, um, tunes and, and I, I still kind of write some stuff solo and stuff. But um, as of right now, I'm just trying to compile it to huge uh, catalog of tunes to, and then to the good ones and and record them. And I think um, between Mike's Apogee One and Garage Band and this mic that I got, I, we've been able to record what we've recorded so far. I think we want to just like record like a demo of all the tunes to use, I guess for a crew production or something, and then really try to figure out the best way to record them in the sound that we're looking for. Right, right. And you can like always do like, to... you know... Hello? Hey, bud. Hey, my bad. I don't know. Uh, Sorry. I guess I got uh, out yeah. or something. Um, um, go ahead. I kind of forgot where I was. Oh, I, oh no, I was saying that, uh, you know, you could take like two or three of them and find, you know, either someone or just, you know, concentrate all your efforts on those, you know, see what you could do with that. Exactly. So, and, um, try to approach musicians. I, I can't help but be influenced by living in the state of Texas and, and I have like, uh, you know, a lot of the time I'm driving and, um, and I, I, the only thing that comes in is like an AM Western station and playing like old country or like, you know, old rancher music or something. And like, I know that stuff, like, even if you keep it on for a brief moment or something, it's like you hear it to a certain, you know, a certain amount of times. And regardless of whether you think you pick anything up from it, it's like anything, those experiences rub off on you without you even knowing it. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Like, Especially like, when it's something uh, so new like that because. You know, you can you can take years and years and years to uh, hone something, but at the same time, the effect that just the glint of something new has on a person, uh, you right, can't, you right, can't undo totally. it. Exactly, and it's there, and even if you don't know it, and all of a sudden you go to like record something or do something, you're like, yeah, it's kind of like a Western feel to it. Like, almost. So Mike and I were laughing, and we were, like, we were out with a couple friends uh, at a show uh, probably two years ago at this point, and we were like talking about like genres of music and it's like we're trying to explain what we're trying to achieve like yeah you know it's like shoegaze but like with like country influence and, and then and then like somehow bootgaze was spit out okay it's like bootgaze man <laughs> and then we're like yeah and then like later on it came up with heavy pedal instead of heavy metal because it's like I would want like distorted pedal feel as like a fifth player <laughs> Yes. You know. So that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve and, and, and I'm gonna, you know, we're both set on making it happen. Uh, we both have families and full time jobs and everything and that, you know, obviously complicates that kind of stuff. But 
it's going to happen and, and I will be uh, super psyched when it does. And up until then, man, I'm just just trying to churn out tunes and they come in drips and drabs and I try to grab pieces and try to piece it together. Well, that's, um, you know, that's and, all you can do at times. And uh, before you know it, you know, you'll look back and you'll have, you know, 100 songs and you're like, holy shit. Like, I, you know, I sift through some of my Edmund Gardner stuff and human experience and uh, chronologist and whatever the hell the name was, but it's all me in the end. And, uh, and you hear it, especially when you've got a couple years between you and and writing the song. And yeah, uh, that, that makes so much sense to me, the way that you approach it. It's so similar to how it approached. It's crazy because you're going to, you're telling your story and I'm just like, that's my story. Yeah. And and it's funny that, you know, I listened back to a bunch of the lines stuff and it's like, you were talking about uh, you were talking about it with Colin, I think, and you were saying like, yeah, when you first send something to someone, you have to listen back to it because you listen back to it as like they're listening to it, and like what would they hear? Yes, you know, knowing that person and knowing you know, yes, yes, knowing that it's going to be new to them, you feel compelled to listen, and that's how it is. Like all those tunes I sent you, uh, I had like listened back to each one after I sent it to you. They're all brand new again. I wonder what Jay's going to, you know, hear in this tune. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, I, um, I immediately put together my, my own little EP and uh, and went off to work. We had a we had an office to clean on the weekend. <laughs> and I just, it just over and over. And, you know, uh, and I mean, if you, real quick, if you want me to just, you know, chronologize um, my experience, you know, I put, uh, I put the, the landlines um, uh, unreleased song first. Um, right, and then I put uh, "Bring Me Down." I put third, so it was uh, I forget the other one. It it just has that so almost um, like comfort, and then the uh, old uh, there's uh, she got shark reef and comfort. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, shark reef, um, bring me down, comfort, and then the pretty penny pence, uh, uh old demo and i didn't realize oh, okay. i'd gotten home later that you had also sent me wash between the wilds so i you know that was a treat for later on but um it was just you know with the landlines thing it was just like taking a peek into what was next uh but it, and it also reminded me of um a song i believe you guys had by the name of paw did you guys paw. what was it called paw p-a-w I forget there was something that maybe you had done live. You had recorded it. It was a new song, and it was up on with, your MySpace. With Landlines or with someone else? I believe it was Landlines. I have no idea, man. Or maybe, <laughs> you know, it might have been you're, something. You're scaring me because I'm like, mm. you know, I know yeah, you're like, yeah, Dog really Quixote, Paw. Like, <laughs> there's a I dog theme. I blew my mouth the other day when you got, I got a road text asking me about Byron, that team, that was super old. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I fuck people up with this kind of shit because no one ever thinks, you know, or just whatever, but I remember this shit. I, you know, and I remember yeah. listening. No, and it, and it just made me think of it because I totally forgot about that. Like, I had that melody stuck in my head one day. I'm like, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, you know, and then you were like, yeah, I'm like, that's what that was. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, that's just how it works, man. It's, it's insane how it's almost like, and I, I think I speak for like our whole, you're so, I, I want to say lucky or privileged or whatever. It's just, but I, I feel like it was fake to have so many, you know, you draw, it's like law of attraction kind of thing. You draw all these people that have the same, similar experiences and like, it's like this 
crazy amount of talent around us. Just such a, a beautiful thing. That whole you know, that whole scene was really great and still is. And uh, you know, it's just, yeah, like it's almost like we're all walking around possessed in, in a good way. Yeah, um, yeah, completely. You know, just able to just turn out a song on a dime, like literally, like you know, in, in minutes, in ten minutes. Wow. Years and all, I was just listening to a bunch of Peter Gabriel. <laughs> wow, wow, and I love it because it's got and no guitars. No guitars. I didn't have any guitar to play. All I have is a keyboard and like Amazing. an electric piano. Rather. I was like, well, I'm gonna figure this out. And uh, um, yeah, so I mean, this whole experience has been really like, I think up until recently, I've been I've made excuses as to not like, making music or not making music. Oh, I can't do that because I can't play that. Or, I can't do that. You know, I need to wait for this person or that person. And just, right, 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 right. Uh, I've finally reached a point in my musical endeavor that um, I just, that's, there's no longer any excuses. And I'm like, okay, this is it. Yeah, you know, I, I sit down here with, uh, in the Sunjin with, with my drum kit, you know, my amps and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah. it's, it's all right here at my fingertips now. And, you know, it might not be this way if we'd gone about it any different way, you know? Exactly. You know, it's, it could have changed everything. Um, it's supposed to be this way. So. Right. Um, I'm super happy you're doing what you're doing. And uh, it makes me, makes me I was listening to uh, Mindcast when I finally was able to get him streaming on my phone. And I just started to smile on stage monitor, you know, whether I know the person or not, you know, especially when I know the person that you're interviewing. It's just like, you know, right, right, right. It's great. It's great you're doing that. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a an awesome project to have, and you're going forward with it, and it's speaks speaks uh, and downs, man. It's, it's great. Well, awesome. I I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Of course, we've, we've known each other for a long time, and played lots of bands together, and just been around each other a lot. So, well, it's cool now that you know I can actually. Uh, it's actually a realistic thing to sit here and and think like you know hey like maybe maybe we will put some songs together you know at one day like it's not, life doesn't seem so uh so open and shut anymore where it's like hey yeah like maybe yeah. shit like I'll just email you something or or whatever you know and so yeah, totally. you know so that's cool you can get a little perspective on the whole on the whole journey the whole well, that's great to hear how 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 that came came about I don't think that you divulge that information to your listeners yet. That's awesome. I'd say I had I didn't know uh, that that was kind of what fueled uh, um, minds, you know, getting started or I'm sure it would have happened eventually, but, you know. Right, right. Really well, I mean, it was a little bit of, you know, a lot of different things. And then, uh, like I said, just that moment just sort of clicked everything into place and just, and just made it all make sense. So, yeah. so on that note, uh, what are you up to now? What are you going to, be doing for the night. I'm at the. I don't tell. I'm just in the in the truck. Uh, we have a single room, so I didn't want to uh, disrupt bedtime for the baby. So. All um, right, all right. Yeah, I'm just probably gonna. I have class uh, all this week and next week. We have some. I have to go into the lab tomorrow, so okay, mixing a bunch of chemicals. Cool. <laughs> Sometimes man. I feel like uh, Walter White at work <laughs> and. It's blue. Uh, it's blue. <laughs> I'm flying in the crystal ship out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, no, no, that's just the moon gel, Gus. That's just, yeah. that's the floor. Yeah, time. exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's why I think I should uh, nurse instead of a nurse because I'm 
studying about all this <laughs> illogical stuff. It's like it's so heavy on my mind. Um, yeah, I just have that going, and we're, we're going to take the weekend and try to uh, get up to Houston. Um, go uh, maybe some museums, or uh, I'm going to do something, something fun with Lorelai, you know, like the family and stuff. Great, man. That sounds cool. Uh, yeah. And then uh, back to work, and then I come back, and we're going to go North Texas to visit uh, some family there for Christmas. So that'd be a little change of change of pace. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, uh, definitely um, let me know when uh, when you get some stuff out there. Um, you know, we I can will, do, I'll, do a I'll little follow up. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll keep shooting stuff as it, as it pops out. Uh, awesome, man. Um, yeah, feel free. I don't I don't have any band camp or anything set up. I don't. It, you, uh, I don't mind anybody hearing that stuff that I sent you. Obviously, or you know, if it's if I make it, obviously for everybody to hear. I don't I don't care about that. So, right, I just great. have to figure out a way to show people. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome because I can just uh, line the entire episode with it, and uh, sure. and that'll be that. So that makes my job easier. Right on, man. <laughs> well, and I'm sure everyone out there cool, is going to be itching to hear it once they uh, once they get a get a get a whiff of uh, what's going on with this episode. So. Nice, nice. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, Jay, awesome talking to you. And keep keeping on. I love you, Gus. The same. Tell the wife and yeah. the kid I said hello. Yeah, give your best. Give my best to, to, to the family. I haven't, I haven't seen the boys in, in a while. I'm sure they're huge. I see them on. Yeah, the big What the heck? All right, man. Well, we'll see uh, you soon. All right, later on, bud. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. Good talking, Gus. Later on. Good guy, that Gus. I hope you enjoyed that story. You know, we all miss landlines. Uh, you can find their album on iTunes. Really good stuff. Just one of those front to backers. You know, you put it on, you let it run, you know, it takes you through your emotions, and then it just spits you out. Nice and gently, though, with a lot of good mel- melodies and harmonies. So you feel good about it. Almost like a. One night stand with a decent looking person that didn't treat you like shit and maybe even left you their number and a little uh, little bread trail to their door. Anyway, uh, you know, I had a little back and forth with Gus over trying to get him scheduled for the show and just, you know, bringing up old stuff and just, you know, generally having a conversation over texts about uh, just living life and playing music and whatnot. And uh, he ended up sending me some tracks. I hope you liked that little tidbit at the beginning of the uh, Pretty Penny Pence demo. And uh, I'm going to bring you uh, another tune that he sent me. And just speaking to what we had talked about and the fact that, you know, he never thought of himself as some great, you know, guitar player and this and that. I mean, even though I'd like to disagree because he's uh, he's just got an amazing writing uh, writing ability. I'm going to bring you a track that he sent me by the name of Comfort. Because the first time listening to it, it just spoke to me. There are zero guitars. And I think just to be true to the story that he told, it would be the best foot to, to put forward for you guys to uh, take it in see what he's been up to and then if you tune into my uh, 2015 wrap up episode I'm going to air maybe even a couple more you know I, I told him uh, that I was honored to, to have this audio I'm not quite sure if, uh, if he knew exactly how, uh, how precious it is to anyone you know any Landlines fans or overall Gus fans from the What About Frank days or whatever it is but as you heard, uh, he's got uh, Teak and Orange cooking up things over in uh, in Texas. 
and little boot gaze, uh, you know, heavy pedal, as he mentioned. And, um, you know, I just hope to hear from that soon. So without further ado, I'm going to bring you the smash hit Comfort with the way this guy works. Uh, you never know what's going to come out of the uh, out of the cosmos. So in conclusion, you guys have a fine day, a fine ride, a fun run on the treadmill, maybe on your bike, do whatever it is you do, and I will see you again on Wednesday. Right.